Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, February 4th, 2022. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this allegedly weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I'm joined in studio this morning by Captain Gary Traversa, sound engineer extraordinaire. He's uh, sitting on the other side of the plexiglass with Lieutenant Matt Hill, who's training up on the board in his new role. Welcome to Operations Support. Lieutenant's got to learn how to run the station. How's it going, gentlemen? Morning, Chief. Going well. (laughs) And we're also joined in studio this morning by Mrs. Gregory Bellata, who for the last 14-plus years has been my administrative assistant and is in the process of transitioning to a new role within the department if we can ever onboard her replacement, uh, which we might talk about a little bit later in the show. This has been a process. Um, So good morning, Maggie. Good morning, Chief. How are you? Wet. (laughs) So let's start with a check of the weather, and then we'll talk about some news items, and then uh, we'll talk about administrative services and the hiring process for the city and maybe at some point today we'll get to a conversation about french bulldog puppies Ooh, <laughs> sounds like a plan to me here is your wtbr forecast from brookshireweather.com for friday february 4th greetings today cloudy a high of 32 with a wintry mix. Tonight, cloudy with a low of 7. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a high of 17. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Jacob is just killing it with those forecasts. So uh, he's very accurate. Too. He's very accurate, um, and he's very talented. And I don't know that t- on a day like today you need to be that talented to figure out the weather. Just look out the window. So um, we got this big winter storm bearing down on us. It's been raining incessantly for over a day. Uh, I walked in the studio this morning to share that. I found out after I got back from the dojo last night that my basement is flooding, so get to deal with that this weekend. Yay. Um, but the temperature's going to drop during the course of the day. This is going to turn into uh, snow and then sleet and then a wintry mix. Since as a result, all the school districts in the county are closed. Municipal offices are beginning to close. Uh, we got the word that Pittsfield City Hall was closing sometime around 7 a.m., I think. Um, so if you don't have to be out today, don't be out today. Um, the roads were okay getting to the station, but I expect they're going to be lousy when we leave, and it's going to be getting worse all day. So if you can, stay home. If you can go home early, go home early. And uh, stay warm and stay safe. How's everybody else's morning going today? Better than finding my basement flooded. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on from that. Uh, the weather is obviously the big news item. Uh, again, you know, Stay safe, stay healthy. In uh, other interesting news, I, I found this interesting, um, but that's just because I happen to know the family. So big shakeup in the leadership at CNN, and, you know, couldn't, don't really, don't care, don't have a dog in that fight. But my high school classmate and friend, Amy Bass, her older brother, Michael Bass, is one of the people that's been tapped to step up and take over CNN uh, until they select a permanent replacement. So congratulations, Michael. I'm sure uh, your mom and your sisters are very proud of you, representing the Berkshires well. All right, what else do we have going on? Um, Keep our fingers crossed. COVID numbers in the county look good. Uh, They're trending down. It's an article in Today's Eagle. Uh, Health director can be reported out at Wednesday's Board of Health meeting. 
all of the metrics from all of the testing they do out at the uh, wastewater treatment plant are, are showing that we're on the downward slope, the back slope of the surge. So good job with all the mitigation efforts that we ask you to do and keep them up. So hopefully we can see the light at the end of the tunnel in a couple of weeks. All right. So that's enough of the news. We talked last week about all of the changes that have been going on within the department, uh, the command realignment that was, uh, resulted in both of you gentlemen being promoted. Uh, but I also mentioned briefly that we had three simultaneous administrative vacancies. And um, I don't think, at least in my tenure, that's never happened, that three support positions were vacant all at the same time. And... The timing on it just was what it was. Uh, I mentioned that one was due to a pre-planned retirement, one was due to kind of a short notice surprise resignation, and the other one was created by some realignments within the department, uh, essentially creating a new position. And if, if we managed the hiring process for non-sworn support personnel the same way we manage the hiring of police officers i i think we'd have been through it already i think it, you know we just would have done what we normally do did some quick interviews did a little do a little law enforcement background check and and fill the positions but we don't for our non-sworn positions we coordinate all of that through the city's office of human resources uh, and we manage their we manage those processes through their online hiring portal which is now called keldare um, and I think the first challenge I had anyway, I don't know, you know, you, you do this for the dispatchers, uh, Captain, and you're, you've been involved in this process also, Maggie. The, the first challenge is we don't use the system often enough, and it's not user-friendly and it's not intuitive. So just getting in there, um, that, that took a little bit. The second challenge is we didn't know who in the department actually had user accounts on the system. So I had an account. I knew that because sometimes I go in and look at the dispatch applications. You had an account. Yep. I don't think anybody else in the department had an account. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not involved in the day-to-day -day work of those support services. So I'm not qualified to evaluate people's resumes and skill set. Right? I needed people who do that work to kind of get eyes on. And they didn't have accounts, so then we had to get them set up in, in the system. Um, then, So it, we've been at this for like three weeks, right, Maggie? Oh, absolutely, so the, if not longer. So the, the three jobs that were posted were the, administrative, the executive administrative assistant to the chief of police, the assistant to the director of administration and finance, which is a sec, essentially the office manager within admin services, and... The third position is posted as a records clerk, but it, it really was a position created by the re, uh, the retirement of our firearms administrator. And for reasons that we still haven't actually figured out, the, the first two positions, the chief's admin and the executive assistant to finance administration, when they were put in the system, when the, when the jobs were posted, if you looked at them on a regular desktop computer, they were clearly two different jobs. But apparently, if you looked at them on a mobile device, they looked like the same job posted twice. So the first hiccup in this process is we got in there, we had 30-some-odd resumes and applications for one of the positions and about nine for the second position. But as we started reading the resumes, it was fairly clear that some of the people had applied for the wrong job, right? The, the skill sets were flipped. So then we had to sort that out. Then we had... A handful of people that applied for both jobs and that became a challenge because obviously you know my admin the person who you know maggie's role who assists me i'm going to interview that candidate but the finance admin mrs hamilton davis needed to interview that candidate so if you applied for both we had to interview you a, a minimum of twice so that that was uh fun and just as we thought it couldn't have gotten any more <laughs> It couldn't have gotten any more off the rails. We start getting these emails one evening with people responding to confirm interview appointment. We're doing it all via Zoom. 
and they're responding to interview appointments at six o'clock at night. None of the support staff work at six o'clock at night. We're like this, no, we, we schedule you for an interview at three o'clock in the afternoon. And so the next day we got in the office and we looked and for whatever reason, we don't know when, how it happened, but for some reason when they set Mrs. Hamilton Davis up in Keldare, they set her clock for Pacific time. <laughs> so all the invitations <laughs> that went out to all the candidates for that position were off by three hours. So then we had to reschedule all of those. Um, what were some of the other things that we learned? Oh, we learned that if you have an account on Zoom and two people log into the account at the same time, the first person who logs in gets kicked off. So I was in the middle of an interview when Mrs. Gregory Bellata tried to log into Zoom to invite some people to an interview. She logged in under the chief's office account, and I got kicked off of my interview. Uh, I had to go back and redo that. Sorry, For, Chief. Fortunately, we have multiple accounts, so we were able to resolve that. Um, yeah, there, there was a steep, steep learning curve on this. It's been insane. Hey, everybody uses tech differently, you know? And it's funny, though, that the if you're... I guess, you know, I think of a phone, you use a... a you know your cell phone or smartphone for simple stuff yeah you know like communication that sort of thing maybe a couple apps and i use a desktop when i have to do like work but people are probably transitioning to you know the the, all mobile yeah you just don't think of that so so what were (laughs) there was a couple other notable things um if you go on, so I've never been on the applicant side of, of Keldare. I only see it on the reviewer side. But um, if you go on to fill in an application, it, it gives you the opportunity to type information in, but it also gives you the opportunity to upload documents. And if you upload documents, it will attach them as a PDF, but it'll also kind of extract the information from the PDF and populate the, the main field. So you can see it in both places. And... Uh, Although all of the positions didn't require a cover cover letter, some of them did, and it's always an option. And so, again, I, I'm trying to be diplomatic and tactful here. You know how when you go and you get your COVID vaccine, as you're leaving, they give you a COVID information form. It's got all the questions, and it's that you know if you have any issues, call this number. Well, one candidate must have searched for the file to upload for their cover letter but they were in a hurry. And so I opened their cover letter and it was a COVID information form. <laughs> they wanted to make sure you knew. <laughs> that they had their vaccine. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I can come work for you. <laughs> um, it's been a lot. It's been a lot, right? And so um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the position, um, Maggie's position, uh, the, the admin position. So we got it down to our finalists and... Um, Again, you know, most of my experience with bringing people on board is is with the sworn side, right? And so we've talked about this in the past. If you're a candidate for us on the sworn side, we do your application review with you face-to-face. Uh, Lieutenant Mazio has been doing a bunch of those this week. And then the minute you sign off on that application review that all of the information in there is true and accurate, we turn that application package over to a background investigator, and, and they start to dig into your life. They start to tear you up. So... By the time the application packages get to me with the summaries, we've got a pretty detailed examination of these candidates, and I get to use that information to make decisions for my recommendations. Um, you can't do that for civilian support personnel. You have to make the conditional offer of employment to them before you can start the background check. So I had, I think we got it down to three candidates. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to you know, start the background checks. And, you know, and per HR was like, no, you have to pick one now, make the offer, and then you can start the background check. I'm like, but what about, you know, what about these other two? They're like, nope, you got to pick one. So um, we've been, we've, we've cleared the background check on the first identified candidate. Um, and they've been scheduled for their medical, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing. Uh, the, the process on the, on the non-sworn side is very different. Like our medical is part of the, the pre-academy evaluation for the non-sworn personnel. 
they have to have a medical between the between the background check and their actual start date. They have to go have this physical, um, which again, I I don't think I had onboarded. Well, he hadn't onboarded a civilian since Carrie, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's been several years, and that process was truncated because you know she was a known entity and uh, internal candidate. So, yeah, this has been a lift, and then. Uh, Mrs. Hamilton Davis has identified her two finalists. Um, so we got we have to make a decision on that. And then the firearms administrator position, the records clerk position, I, I got three names from Ms. Strabel yesterday, but she and I have to sit down and meet on those candidates. Um, it's, it, it's been crazy. Uh, the that position generated a lot of interest. I was surprised. Uh, you know, we know there's there's been sw swings in the economy and, and how workforce looks, but that position generated a lot more interest than I expected it to. I don't know how many candidates you had, Chief, but when you know I've done the dispatch hiring, uh, we've had, well, in some cases, 30, upwards of 40 candidates and to go through all those materials, that's a huge chunk of time. <laughs> it's a huge chunk of time. Yeah. And like I said, we don't use the system all that frequently. Our our hiring of non-sworn support personnel is much less frequent than our hiring of officers. So we're, we're more adept at that system. And we have a bigger team working on it. Uh, but the, like within the portal, there's... There's tools for us as evaluators to use to, to grade and rate and compare. And I'm and training on that, right? I'm figuring it out as I go. So you got thumbs up and stars yeah. and letter grades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, it's, it, this has been a learning experience. Um, and I don't want to jinx it, but get this. So these are, you know, these three positions, they're all like core support services positions. And hopefully we get them filled. We have some stability and some longevity and uh we won't we won't go through this hiring process like this again um well one of the positions that again we're we're in the process of filling is your previous position maggie right because we we actually changed your job description already and we talked about how this came about on previous episodes how many times have you been with us now on the show I think this is going to be my fifth time. That's that's what it's like when you work in the chief's office, right? That's how um, <laughs> we've talked in the past about how when I was in patrol, Chief Riello would come into work and he'd be, you know, he'd be running a little behind. He'd see me in the hallway and he'd be like, "Radio station, thirty-five minutes." I'm like, what? <laughs> Television station at the time, right? Um, we yeah. try to uh, give a little more notice here. Yeah, yeah, it was on, yesterday. Uh, on patrol. Yeah. It was last week. <laughs> so, um, like I said at the top of the show, Mrs. Gregory Bellata has, has been my my administrative assistant, my right hand, for my nearly my, my entire time in the chief's office. And she and I worked together briefly before I went into the chief's office after I came up as the administrative captain. Um, and one of the things that... So, Chief's, Chief's administrative assistant, you know, basically, we're trying to describe this to some of the candidates. You're responsible for my calendar, making sure I know where I'm supposed to be and that I get there, uh, scheduling, and also for the you know, email and voicemail and phone traffic in the office and my correspondence. That's, that's kind of that job. And within that job, there's a couple small additional functions like the main maintenance of the internal affairs files but even before you came over to the chief's office one of the other things that was kind of being coordinated through that position was the department's grants so when you kind of took the grant portfolio that would have been what 2008 2007 how many grants did did you have I think back then there were about six or seven. Yeah. And what was the annual dollar amount? Back then? Yeah. Uh, it was about probably 
$230,000 between all six or seven of them? Yeah, because we, we had lost the community policing grants. Mm -hmm. The Homeland Security grants were just coming online. Because we're not a USERA community, we're not eligible for most of the big Homeland Security grants. So we were getting these little regional, you know, piecemeal grants. And it, I think at the time, the principal regular grants that we were looking at were what was then one dispatch grant all of the dispatch stuff came in in one grant and two traffic grants yes. right we had the the campaigns for like the the traffic enforcement grants and then we had the traffic equipment plus a, you know a couple like you know small Smaller dollar grants. small dollar um not shannon grants what's the burn burn jag grants today 2022 how many grants are you administering 13 and what's the annual dollar amount? We talk about this. I, I'm up to $1.4 million, million every year. year. And over the course of your tenure as the grant administration, as that grant administrator position has evolved, your total take into the city, I think the last time I did a report, was well over $10 million. That is correct. So what we realized as this was happening and the grant position was evolving particularly some of the grants that we had we receive and administer on behalf of other agencies so we received the violence against women stop act grant that we administer and, and work with with the elizabeth freeman center and we receive the shannon grant and the ssyi grant which i can't ever remember Safe and Successful Youth. Safe and Secure Youth Safe Initiative. Safe and Secure Youth Initiative, which we receive and administer on behalf of now 18 Degrees, who do our gang prevention, intervention work, uh, community prevention. So the reporting on those three grants alone is constant and not insignificant. That's correct. Plus, the dispatch grant has now morphed into three separate grants. The supported incentive grant, the emergency medical dispatch grant, and a training grant. Correct. All of which have separate reporting requirements. So, in 2019, 2020, as you pointed out to me, rightfully so, that that job was taking up more and more of your time and attention, and you were spending more time off-duty, we, we realized something had to give. And... One of the things that we came up with was the creation within the department of a grant administrator's position. Correct. And it, it might have been before 2019. We might have started like in 2018. Uh, ultimately, we wrote a job description. We got that job description approved by the Personnel Review Board. We got it approved by the City Council. But one of the conditions that was placed on us when we got through that process is that we could create the position, but we had to figure out a way to fund the position with the grants. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't think that was going to be that big a lift because you can write administrative costs into the grants. A few of them. Yeah, some of them, the, the federal grants for the most part. But as we went back and looked, one of the things, you know, and this, this was you know, a directive, but it was a, it was a directive I agreed with. We needed to do it in a way that wasn't going to cause us to cut the dollar amount we were providing to any community partners. Correct. Wherever it was going to come from, it had to be funds that otherwise would have been used elsewhere in the police department. And that became more of a challenge, it was to figure out where in the grants we could take some hits. But we finally did that and uh, posted the position. You were the, uh, you were really the only qualified candidate, right? So we did what we need to, needed to do, moved you into the position, which then vacated, technically, your position. Then we started the process of trying to hire for your position, which we kind of just went through in detail for the first 30 minutes, um, 20 minutes. It, it was not easy. I, I did not think that just posting a position for an administrative assistant was going to create as much work as, as that did. But we're close check that one off move on to move, admin to, the and, next. move on to admin and finance check that one off and then move on to records and firearms um it, they, there has been a lot of uh a lot of work in the last three three and a half weeks to to try to get this to, i think at one point it's probably four weeks ago i looked at you and i just said block out every 
two and a half to three hour block of time on my calendar for the indefinite future until we get through these because we needed to have time on the on the books to schedule the interviews and if we hadn't blocked it out other things would have been scheduled well we were talking about um setting up just the month of january for all three positions and now i feel like that whole month of january we kind of we had to kind of work around just the first position which was your position and now we're into february and you know at the end of january we were at least able to set up some interviews for um the finance director's position and i'm i'm hoping i'm very hopeful that by the time we finish with february we'll have the third position finalized so i'm just it has been a long road for three positions but we want to make sure we get the right person in that position and that they're going to do you know good for the department so so one of the things you know captain lieutenant you guys will appreciate this one of the things that i've learned over the last decade maybe decade plus is when we do have these vacancies particularly in the core positions right if if you're going to work down in the records division you're kind of outside our our operational spaces that's a little bit different not significantly because everybody spends some time inside the secure areas but if you're going to work inside the secure areas where police work actually happens you got to be built a little different right people who go to school to get a degree in business management or you know they go and they get a certificate and they're like in business administration uh, and they gravitate towards the business world like they want to go work in an office space uh they're they're sometimes surprised when we interview them we're like oh yeah you know it's a tuesday morning of a holiday weekend and when you're coming up the stairs to come to work we're going to be bringing prisoners down like they're not prepared for that um if we're bringing somebody up to the interrogation room or the interview room they're coming up the stairs handcuffed and shackled through the hallway where our support services personnel work you have to be prepared to to encounter these things i think the one that caused the biggest kind of like gas when we explained it to some of the candidates was well not not right now because we're on a safety stand down and we've been training off-site but when we train in service in the building you know you could have a four officer diamond formation sweeping through your past your office any morning right so my first day was that day um, we set the flashbang off in the basement coming and up sent, the stairs sent an my assault first team up the stairs yes it was a little shocking uh, but i got through the rest of the day and i remember chief riello asking me if i was gonna come back <laughs> <laughs> and obviously you did and i did um i think you know one of the things I I wasn't even prepared for this when when I went upstairs. So if you've been to the station, if you've taken one of our station tours, uh, because we've expanded in the station and we've taken over all of the spaces that the department did not originally occupy, uh, kind of where the chief suite and the chief's office is, it was separated um, by a firewall, by one office and then a firewall from female and juvenile detention. And back in the day, that, that empty office was a command office. It was a captain's office. For the last 16 years, it's been a support services office. And so the finance and administration section lives in an office that shares a wall with female detention. And when it just has happened the other day, right? Yes. When we have a defendant under arrest in custody and they are not happy and they're loud and they're swearing and they're banging on the plexiglass there's no getting away from it in those offices it's it's literally your work environment some people just aren't cut out for it i don't think headphones could even help that no not at all no and if you're not even doors if you're in julie's office it's literally vibrating the walls yeah (laughs) it's yeah so where are we here we're coming up on yeah this is a good time to stop for station identification and some PSAs. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, February 4th. Greetings! 
today, cloudy, a high of 32 with a wintry mix. Tonight, cloudy, with a low of 7. Tomorrow, partly sunny, with a high of 17. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Pittsville residents, have you heard about Code Red? It's the city's emergency alert program, and it keeps you informed on the latest updates and notifications, including, but not limited to, weather-related emergencies, road closures, and water main breaks. So stay connected and be informed. Text Pittsville to 99411 to enroll or visit cityofpittsfield.org to sign up. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Have you been thinking about volunteering in your community? We're glad to hear it. Berkshire United Way and nonprofit Center of the Berkshires are teaming up to present a virtual volunteer fair on Friday, November 12th from noon to 3 p.m. You're invited to find out more about how to get involved, make new friends, find purpose, and give back. Visit npcberkshires.org to register today. It's free and safe. That's npcberkshires.org. Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives, and we're in a hurry to get to where we need to be. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You can be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they want to go safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you again for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. And I just uh, got a got an indicator that I have been remiss again in reminding our viewers and listeners that we're also available as a podcast on all of your popular podcast platforms. So if you can't tune in on Friday morning to be here with us in person and live, uh, you can catch on patrol with the PPD anytime at your convenience. Uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you normally follow your podcast. So go find us and subscribe and you know, sometime Friday afternoon after Dave sends me the file. Uh, the morning's episode will be available at your convenience. So we've been talking about changes going on in the uh, administrative functions within the department. I um, had to interview a couple candidates. We had to interview a couple candidates this week for that key position, which is the assistant to the director of administration and finance. And I, I think it was... Um, I don't how, how do I want so we're bringing the candidates in and one of the questions I always start off with is you know why do you want to join us in the Pittsfield Police Department and we had some wide-ranging answers uh, we had a candidate who had uh, done some work with a department out east uh, prior to relocating to the Berkshires and she kind of missed the you know the the camaraderie and the culture and so she was looking to do that uh, we had some candidates who they've watched what we do in the community and they thought they they you know would be interested in that we had some candidates that you know they they knew that getting on with the city would be good long term and they wanted to do that but in each of the cases when when i asked you know, why, why do you want to apply for and come over on this job there i don't know that there was a lot of you can correct me if i'm wrong i don't know that there was a lot of understanding based on the job description about particularly what the the what the job entailed right i mean it was it was advertised as a finance job like a accounts payable accounts receivable payroll job but that doesn't come near to describing what 
admin and finance does. So I think that the biggest thing I think coming from the candidates is, you know, what is a typical day? There is There's no, no typical, typical day. day when it comes to that position. So so I had to come up with kind of an elevator speech to introduce the interview and say this, you know, this is what you're about to get into if you want to continue this process. And the best I could come up with was that support services, administrative and finance, has two primary missions and a whole bunch of collateral missions. And over the time that I've worked with Mrs. Hamilton Davis, we kind of refined these missions. We, she and I talk about it on a fairly frequent basis. And the, the first one is going to sound a little self-serving, but I learned very quickly after moving up into the chief's office that it's it, it, no way it, it, is it for the benefit of admin support. It's to keep the, the operational mindset of the department focused. And so when I describe the two primary missions, the, the first mission of admin and finance is to make sure that everybody in all of our divisions gets paid properly on time. Right. So one of the things that I realized shortly after going upstairs is when payroll gets messed up, everything gets messed up. If people are receiving their pay stubs or their direct deposits and they're short because they didn't get an incentive or they didn't get their night differential or they missed some overtime, their mind's not in the game, right? And until that gets resolved, they're, they're, they've lost some focus. And so... I directed admin and finance to work really, really hard to make sure that payroll gets done properly and on time. And there's always going to be errors. There's a lot of key punching that goes on to keep 120-some-odd people's payroll straight, particularly the way some of our contracts are structured. But that's really like job one. Make sure that the payroll gets processed every day and that everything is as close to accurate and thorough as it can be. And then the other piece of it is to make sure that all of the supplies and equipment and training and stuff that patrol investigations and op support needs to do their job gets budgeted, purchased, delivered, inventoried, and paid for on time. If that core admin staff can do those two things with a high degree of diligence and fidelity, all of the other stuff they're involved in can kind of fill the gaps. And talking to the interviewing the candidates and talking to the candidates, I think many of them were surprised at how integral admin and finance is to operations, right? And we talk about this in command staff meetings. If we go to the uh, we go to one of the equipment closets or we go to one of the equipment cabinets to refill a med kit or to restock a an equipment bag and there's nothing there there's no there's no way for operations to fix that right it's not like they can just go down to the convenience store and buy stuff to put back in there so making sure that everything that we deploy into the field not only do we have enough to deploy into the field but we have enough backups to replace them when they're used or they're damaged or whatever and that there's a pipeline to replace them when they get um, put in the circulation that's constant. It's all the time. And so I, um, it's not easy, right? I, I had a training request come across my desk early this week. Uh, it's from a member from the special response team. They want to go to a little specialized training. I had already approved one for a teammate. And admin finance comes back and they're like, this vendor is not in the system. You know, you have to get you have to get a W-9. You have to find out if we have scope services agreement, blah, blah, blah. And I get the bounce back email, like, that can't be possible. I've been to training with this organization. You've been to training with this organization. And the, the issue was this round of purchase orders went through with the organization's abbreviation, and the previous ones had been entered with their full name spelled out. And the system doesn't recognize that. It doesn't search for that. So just little things like that. Um, and we buy a lot of stuff. We buy a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Thanks to the grants. We buy a lot of stuff with grants. That's true. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, in, it's just insane. I was looking at an equipment list for, um, we're, get, we're, we're in the process of on, trying to onboard some new police officers again. And we've got a group in the academy now. And I was looking at the equipment list. 
the initial issue equipment list for our new officers now, and I had to start laughing, right? It's probably double. Oh, it's much more than double. It's much more than double. If you look at between the things the academy now requires us to send them down with, and it's, you know, it's silly things like a pocket mask for CPR, but you got to have a tourniquet. You have pressure dress. We didn't have to have any of that stuff. There's a ton of stuff that you're required to have when you go to the academy. But there's also a ton of stuff that we've identified over the last 20 years that it's just the right thing to do, right? When we came on the job, the department wouldn't buy your flashlight. Right. right? If you wanted a department-issue flashlight, you went down to car hardware, you got a aluminum, ever-ready, two-cell flashlight. That was That's what they considered adequate. If you wanted to buy a rechargeable LED flashlight down the century, it was on you, right? We didn't buy a second. The department didn't provide a second set of handcuffs. No cop goes on the street with one set of handcuffs, but they only issued us one set of handcuffs. Um, there's a ton of stuff like that. I, gloves, right? Protective gloves, search gloves. They didn't issue us search gloves. Wow. So... <clears throat> Yeah, the list is much more extensive. Yeah, the newer officers, a um, little plug for, you know, anybody that may have signed up for the civil service test. The new officers are equipped a lot more um, completely. Than, much better equipped. Than previously. I think we were talking offline last week. I chuckle about it because, l- listen, I'm, I, I am very proud of our police department. I always say that we have amazing people. They do amazing work every day. A lot of which we don't get to talk about. You know, we had that case last week. Maybe we'll, before the end of the show, we'll talk about that case very briefly. We had that case last week. Um, you know, they they literally saved lives in the midst of a dynamic combat encounter, right? And twenty years ago, the outcome would have been much much different. Ten years ago, the outcome would have been positive, but it wouldn't have been as positive. Um, you know, so we can talk about that very briefly, but. Because of the nature of the work, police officers are always going to be griping, right? Like, we do the best we can with the facility we have and the resources that we have. But morale, we talked about the overtime issue and the forced staffing and stuff like that. Morale is something you're always going to deal with. But I go down and sit at the desk every once in a while, and I know I'm not getting the full scope of what's being said because if I'm in the room, they stop talking. But I'll overhear some things, and every once in a while I'll chuckle because, like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Like, little things about, like, the fleet. The the fleet has never been in better shape for the department ever, right? Captain Kirchner does an amazing job with the fleet. Um, we could do better if we didn't bang up our cars so much, but even with that, then, you know, the fleet's in great condition. Lieutenant, do you remember we came on that – there were cruisers online that literally had holes in the floor. Mm-hmm. Depending on what sector of the city you were working, you would get a car, and if you were driving down the street, you could see the road under your boots. <laughs> and wow. you know, yeah, it was it was insane. Wow. We we would fill on an evening shift in the summer. We would fill nine beats, but we were only authorized six cars. Right. So that just we'd doesn't put, seem we'd put six cars accurate. out on the road, we'd double one of them up or two of them up, and then we'd put the supplemental people walking basically between the station and Amart. And the deal was if something popped off, one of those cars would grab you and you'd jump in the back seat and go. That was the plan. <laughs> Things so, have changed. Not you know, a good plan. It, it it's all it's it is a cop's god given right to complain, but <laughs> but sometimes you got to know like you know what the history was to know what you're complaining about. I you know we had um I can't remember I was just re- I was just rereading this thread the other day because I was looking for an old email, and so something came up with the external load bearing vest carriers, and it was I read the email and like you got to be kidding me. Right. They asked for these vest carriers. We we agreed. We gave them the vest carriers. We paid for the vest carriers. Now something happened, and they're unhappy, and they want us to fix it. 
and I, just, I emailed back the captain. I was like, tell them to fix it. They should not be bringing this to the command, right? Go resolve this amongst yourselves and sort it out. You know, it, it, was, it was silly. I think it was like where the OC got carried or something like that. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> Go figure it out. All right. Um, we only got about 15 minutes left, 16 minutes left. I do want to talk about that call from last week briefly. But before we get to that, so every time we have Mrs. Gregory Bellotta come on, we talk mainly about you know kind of what's going on in the chief's office, which, by the way, when we get back to the office, we have to schedule some coffee with the cops. Yes. We're, uh, we're, we're a little behind. We're a little behind. It's been a little busy. Yeah, there's been a lot, and we had some time off too, so there's been a lot going on. Um, so one of the things, because you know we work in in the chief's office, the two two offices that make up the chief suite, we know a lot about what's going on in each other's lives outside of work. Yes, we do. So, for example, I now know more about the breeding and care of French bulldog puppies than I ever hoped to or wanted, or wanted to, to. So you made a decision last year. I did. That you were going to breed Lulu. I did. And you have. I have. And we are one week away, uh, 10 days away, from those puppies being, what's the word? Whelped? When, when can you take no, the puppies the, from? The, the, puppies, the puppies have been weaned, but now they're going to go to their forever homes. How many puppies in the litter? Six. Six puppies. Two boys and four girls. And have you located homes for all of these puppies? Well, for the four girls I have. I have not yet for the two boys. And they are available. <laughs> Can't, so if you need no free, no free like ads. To, to contact <laughs> no me. Free no ads. free ads. Um, so why did you decide to breed Lulu? Uh, a lot of people have bucket lists. My bucket list is a little stranger than others, but that is why I did it. It was on my bucket list. I um, ad- adopted Lulu about four years ago, which is my female French bulldog, and decided when I did adopt her um, that I was going to at some point breed her in the future. Four years later, I thought, yep, it's time. So. So this is a family-friendly show, and I'm not going to ask you to get into any Absolutely details. Absolutely not. <laughs> but I was surprised isn't the right word. Shocked because this you took this on as kind of a do-it-yourself project. I did, and it worked. There, there was um, there was not any veterinary intervention at the beginning of the process. Well, that's because I was doing a lot of research, and as everybody out there i believe you know can attest to that the internet it has a lot of information and that's where i turned my i guess inf- I, I, my knowledge to was all out of the internet and through my mentor who is actually um out in oklahoma who provided me with the mate for lulu so he had so- taught me a lot of a lot of the information I needed came directly from him. So Lulu is healthy? Very healthy. And the puppies are healthy? Very healthy. Very healthy. So this was a... All hand bred. So this was a successful bucket list project. It is, and it's my last one. You're not doing it again? Never again. <laughs> <laughs> For one those who do this all the time, I have no idea why. One and done. <laughs> yes. So... That's it, funny, you know, talk about bucket list projects. I, I was on a podcast late last year, and uh, my friend, mentor, Dr. Stephen Morreale, he asked me, he's like, what's on your bucket list? And I was like, I don't, I don't really have one, right? If if I want to do something, I just try to figure out a way to do it. And I'm not looking at, you know, what am I going to do down the road? And the other day, I realized that's not quite true. So um, Captain Matt Kirchner, who is the Uniform Patrol Captain, he is a pilot and a student pilot he's been flying privately for years but he's chasing down that you know instrument rating and so he just had another set of check rides last month and matt and i talk about fl- flying and, and aviation not all that often but it's something that's always fascinated me and it's it's always been one of those things that i want to do is to get my private pilot's license and so we had dinner wednesday night with some friends 
you know, not not the captain and I, uh, my wife and I, had dinner with some friends, and uh, one of these friends is retired NYPD, and so when we're catching up, we hadn't seen each other in several months, and she's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm taking flying lessons. And I was like, I'm so jealous, right? And, and I realized that that is something in the next several years that I have just got to figure out a way to get after. That I'm would gonna, be- gonna have to do it. That would be great. So maybe by the time I'm ready to go, Captain Kernst will be an instructor pilot and I can do it with him. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. So, Captain, did you read all the reports from from the patrol call? No. Nope. From last week? I talked to the officers, though. You talked to the officers. Yeah. So I'm not... This is this case is still pending. It's under investigation, so we can't uh, we can't get into a lot of details. Um, it's also a type of case that yeah we yeah it's yeah. it's exempt from public records discussion. Yeah. But that's the public records. That's not that's not conversation. We can talk about cases like that. We just can't release the records. All right. Um, so in any case, it, I heard. I wasn't aware of what the call the original call was. Because I had something else going on in the office and my radio was turned down. And my first indication that the call was was anything other than normal was when I heard one of the officers, you know, it was, it was Officer Hallis. When I heard Officer Hallis on the air calling for a second ambulance. And it wasn't the call for the second ambulance that piqued my attention. It was the way he said it. Now, he's on the team, longstanding member of the team. He's not one to panic, but he gets some odd inflections in his voices on some hot calls, and it wasn't there. It it wasn't deadpan, but it was practically deadpan. It was out of character for him. So I was like, what is going on? So I ran down to the dispatch center, and by the time I got to the dispatch center, this thing was over. I talked to Dave and a couple of the other officers the following. So that was on a Friday last Friday, and we had our annual officer's dinner on Saturday. He was there, so we talked about it. From the time they received the radio instructions to arrive to the time it was all over was three minutes. That fast. And so, anyhow, it came in as a disturbance call. Over meaning somebody in custody. Yeah. 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 So, it came in as a disturbance call, and just blind luck... He happened to be pretty much right around the corner. And I don't think he was actually one of the first officers dispatched. They dispatched another complement of two, but he was close, so he answered up. So he gets there, and he finds a female victim bleeding. Um, she had she had been stabbed. And he's trying to, you know, and language barrier. And so he's trying to communicate with her. He's trying to examine the extent of her injuries he's on the radio and as he's trying to you know he just got there he just marked out of the car and as he's there the other party in this altercation emerges from the residence with a machete oh my so and i haven't read the reports and we didn't get into details at dinner but you know dave basically radios what he's got um Two more units quickly arrive. And this was the other thing that went sideways for me. I had forgotten that we had just gone through shift change the previous week. And the officer who came up next on the air normally, well, previously worked midnights. And so in my mind, they're filling an overtime shift. So they're 12 hours in, they're exhausted, whatever. And they realized they had shifted shifts and that they were actually on their beat. Um, so the other two officers arrived. Officer Hallis has essentially covered the victim, right, taken cover, covered the victim to prevent the aggressor from being able to to get to her again. Language barrier. Uh, Second arriving, or third arriving, one of the arriving officers gets ready to deploy their taser, has a cartridge malfunction. It, it It doesn't work as intended. Well, his partner is providing lethal cover and they're still between the assailant and now the victim and the cover officer, they manage to backpedal, properly execute a cartridge change on the taser as drilled in our reality-based training, and deploy the taser, stopping the threat, taking the subject into custody, 
getting the subject coughed. No injuries per se. Um, the victim had previously been injured. The suspect uh, had some secondary injuries as a result of falling from the, the second taser deployment. Um, debriefed it real quick, and because my concern was that, you know, it, taser malfunctions are incredibly rare. But normally, it, it comes down to one of two things. There's a problem with the power source, the, the DPM and the taser, or there's a problem with the cartridge. And in this particular case, I'm fairly confident it was a problem with the cartridge because he tried to deploy it, it malfunctioned, he went into the malfunction drill, and as he brought it offline to a low ready, it functioned, it discharged into the ground. And you can't, I mean, you, even if you're watching this on PCTV, you can't see it. There's a very specific way you have to manipulate a taser cartridge following a malfunction because if you do it wrong, it'll discharge into your own hand. And so he did it right and got it back in battery and cycled it back up and got it successfully deployed. So if it deployed, if the malfunction cartridge deployed into the ground and he affected the change, we don't have, we don't have a video of it, so we don't know. But it means he managed to do it properly in under five seconds because it was still cycling. So and I said before we, we were going to debrief this, 20 years ago this wouldn't have happened. Obviously, we wouldn't have had tasers. Ten years ago, we're just introducing tasers, whether one was on the, on the call would have been 50-50. Now, you know, they're, they're belt-worn on all the patrol officers, so the likelihood is there. But even four or five years ago, and these are junior officers. Even four or five years ago, the likelihood that a junior officer would have been able to successfully affect a malfunction drill on a taser well moving would have been incredibly low. It's only because training has greatly changed the way we train and added all of our reality-based and scenario training in the last couple of years that that... So this is going to sound... It's going to sound kind of ridiculous, but the scenario they found themselves in for real is a scenario we've drilled repeatedly over the past five or six years. It's it's one of the ones we're required to do when we go through our taser research. Yeah, I mean, it's not just a scenario, Chief, but it's the, the repetition, those line drills of doing those cartridge changes. And if you don't do it correctly, you alluded to this, you get zapped. So, <laughs> so people and you learn quick on the line. So people <laughs> people aren't going to understand. So you can use it the, the way a taser is designed to be used is it's we call probe deployment, right? So you you fire the taser, the probes go downrange, they're attached by the wires back to the taser. The probes impact the subject. It, if there's a proper probe spread, the taser cycles, it does what it's supposed to do. In the event of a malfunction or if the cartridge is off, you can use the taser to affect what's called the drive stun. And a drive stun is not a neuromuscular incapacity. It's, it's, it's simply pain compliance. It, it, it's a bite. So our training officer, who we have yet to get on the air, and we really have to do this, she is creative and just a little bit devious. <laughs> so what, um, what the captain is referring to is when Officer Gaynor runs these line drills, You'll be doing the, the malfunction drill, the cartridge change on the taser, while your partner is walking on you, so you have to backpedal and do it in motion. But the instructions for your partner are to cycle their taser, and if they can reach you, drive stun you. So if you don't get the cartridge change before your partner gets to you, you're deliberately given, given a little bit of a, a bite. Kind of like sticking your finger in a one ten outlet. It's um, it's the it's the pain penalty. And yeah. So, <laughs> it's an effective training tool. Yes, it makes it, the, it makes the point. It's devious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have been at this for nearly an hour today. We have less than a minute left. Anybody big plans for the weekend? Hopefully not shoveling. I'm not coming to your house to help you clean no, out the I'm gonna, water. I'm going to shop back a basement. <laughs> All right. In any case, thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. Join us again next week for another new episode. We don't know who our guest will be yet. Stand by for that. 
in the meantime, everybody stay safe, dry, and warm in this winter remix that we're about to encounter. Stay safe, stay healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8.